0: And because my background is in communications and media and marketing and all that sort of stuff, I looked at that and went, what can we do here? How can we simplify this? And so Erin and I worked on this together and we came up with this thing called the Sexual Assault Response Guide. It's a one pager. And the whole point is that you can save it to your phone. So if the worst case scenario happens, if you are sexually assaulted or a friend of yours or someone you care about is, and you do not want to immediately report for whatever reason, then there are some really simple steps to follow there that would help you to collect the evidence, make sure that you got some support, and those kinds of things. Welcome to the Medusa's Mic podcast, where we come together to stop sexual violence. My name is Lucretia Rackfield, and I'm so very honoured to have your company today. Medusa was a victim survivor of sexual assault who was blamed, punished, and had her voice taken away. Too many people can still relate to her story, and we want to change that. It's time for Medusa to take back the mic. In this podcast, we'll share the personal stories of victim survivors, hear from experts in sexual violence prevention and response, and talk to the quiet leaders who are creating real change sometimes the content may be confronting, and I urge you to seek support when you need it. But overall, I hope each episode helps you to feel more informed and empowered to take action to stop sexual violence in your community. Hello, and welcome back to Medusa's Mic. This is Lucretia here. I'm so glad you've dropped by to listen in. A friend recently suggested to me that perhaps all of you might be interested to know a little bit more about me and why I've started Medusa's mic and what I hope to achieve from it. So, today in this episode, I'm going to try and answer some of those questions. I guess starting off, you've probably already worked out from my accent that I am Australian and I currently record the podcast from my dining room table and anyone out there who thinks that that must be a very sophisticated setup is completely off base <laughs> being a writer and a creative person basically i have books and things strewn across every possible surface in my home and my dining room is no exception so i sit here looking at my laptop while i record the podcast And literally surrounded by piles of books. So (laughs) it's not high-tech at all. I do record my interviews with people via Zoom because that gives me more flexibility and my guests more flexibility. And we can basically do those conversations from anywhere in the world. And I guess that brings me to one of my goals for the podcast is I actually do see it as being something that will ultimately not just be relevant for Australian audiences, but will also be relevant for audiences across the globe. Because sexual and domestic and family violence is a global issue that affects everybody. It affects every social strata, every income bracket, every nationality, every culture. And I really do believe that by sharing what we're doing in different parts of the world and in different communities, We can all learn from each other, and that gives us the opportunity to try new things and to take action at a grassroots level, which is really, I suppose, a fundamental underpinning of the purpose of this podcast. I really want to empower everyday people like you and me to take action in our communities to stop sexual, domestic, family violence. I think that we all have that power but we don't always know what action we can take. And particularly, I suppose, in the last year or so in Australia, we've seen a lot more conversations about violence that is sexual, that is domestic, that is family violence. We've seen a lot of conversations about sexual assault and rape. And what I've noticed is that during a lot of those conversations that I've seen unfold on social media, a lot of people have felt really disempowered we've had a lot of really personal stories come to the surface people sharing for the first time ever their own stories of sexual assault or child abuse we've seen a lot of people recognizing for the first time ever that they actually were subject to a sexual assault because what they thought was just normal and just what happened they now realized was never healthy was never okay And so that's brought up all kinds of trauma for people. So it's been a really challenging time, particularly for women who are the primary victims of this type of violence. And when I was watching all this start to unfold in the last 12, 18 months in Australia in particular, what I did also see online is a lot of people feeling like they didn't have any power to change things, that we could go and do these marches and all that sort of stuff. But ultimately it would sit with the police or with the government or with the courts or institutions in general to make the change and that we were really kind of powerless to do anything as individuals. And I do not believe that. And one of the main reasons I started the podcast is that I don't believe that. And I want to share knowledge and tools with everybody so that we can all take action because grassroots action, I really feel is the period of history that we're in. I think that we can't continue to wait for other people to change things for us. And I think there can be a degree of bypassing when we go, oh, that problem's too big. I can't do anything about it. So I'm just going to make it all their responsibility. And you may have heard me talk about this before, but I really believe that we are part of an ecosystem, which is our society, and we all play a role in that ecosystem. And so we all have a responsibility to show up and be accountable, to call out things, to take actions in our own individual lives that will create change. And I know that sometimes people will feel like they can't make any change, but I promise you that when you change your behavior, when you do something different, even if it's just you share some information, you call someone out on really sexist behavior, or you share your story, when you do those things, there is a ripple effect that's created. And it's really an energetic thing. So that when you change the rest of the world changes around you. So I really wanted to, I guess, share that that's one of the purposes of this podcast is to help you to feel like you can do something to make things better for everybody because I believe you can and I believe that I can. And my podcast, this podcast, Medusa's Mike, is my way of contributing to empowering other people. And I just figure that if I can empower one other person per episode to feel like they know a little bit more information or they, and they change something, then that's everything, right? I've done what I was hoping to do for that episode. So that's kind of the underpinning. I guess uh, something else to understand about me and I'm sure it will also come as no surprise is that I am a feminist and I have been a feminist I guess pretty much my whole life. And one thing I've found really interesting particularly over the last 12-18 months in Australia specifically is that more people, more women are uh, eager and confident to talk about themselves as feminists and to claim themselves as being feminists. And I think that is well overdue. Certainly, if you go back a decade or so ago, when I would say I'm a feminist, because of course, I believe in equality for everybody, and that is the underpinning of feminism. So many women in particular, and I noticed particularly younger women, would really pull away from that terminology oh i'm not a feminist i'm not a feminist and it used to really frustrate me at the time if you believe in equality you're a feminist right and there was this real reticence to claim that terminology as their own and i i have definitely seen a shift in that and when i look back and i think about well why why weren't they so eager to claim that terminology i think there were a number of layers in that i think first of all that there certainly was a pushback from society as a whole about what a feminist was and that it wasn't a very feminine thing to be. And if it wasn't a very feminine thing to be, then ergo men may not find it as attractive. And because women and girls are raised and socialised to believe that one of our primary strengths and values, I suppose, is that we be in relationship with a man if we're straight, The idea that we could claim to be a feminist and that might put some men off, I think probably did make some women reticent to claim that terminology. But I'm really glad to see there's been a shift there. And I'm also really glad to see very occasionally, not as often as any of us would like, but very occasionally I see men standing up and saying they're a feminist. And I just think that is just incredibly powerful. And I am... So pleased to see that. So, I have been a feminist basically my whole life. It doesn't mean I'm an unflawed person. It doesn't mean that when I do reflection now, I can see points when I could have spoken up. There are points when I have allowed things to happen to me that in hindsight I should not have allowed, times when I've laughed at, you know, sexist jokes to try and keep the peace when I was much younger. And not spoken up, all those kinds of things, because I can see that about myself. And I have grown up in the same kinds of environments that you have, where we've been conditioned to accept behaviors that we shouldn't accept. And because we exist within a patriarchal society that does harm to you and to me, regardless of our genders. So that's a bit about the feminism. And I guess that brings me to why Medusa's Mike in particular? Why have I actually started this podcast? Well, over the years, I have done a lot of formal and informal mentoring with women of all different ages, and a lot of them in particular with women in their 20s and occasionally in their late teens. And what I would find in all of the conversations I would have with women is there was this recurring theme. Of sexual violence coming through. And so when I see the statistics, I think the most recent ones I saw was like one in five women will experience domestic or family violence. I actually have to say that, based on the conversations that I have with women and with young women, I actually think it's far more women are experiencing some kind of sexual violence in their lifetime, whether as children or as adults. I would actually say it's as high as three in five women. And I do not believe I'm overstating that at all. So I'd have these conversations over and over again when I was mentoring women around self trust, you know, connecting into their intuition and, you know, living in alignment with their purpose and integrity with self. And I'd have these recurring conversations and being quite a spiritual person, and that's not, I'm not a religious person at all. I don't believe in a construct that is. God, inverted commas, which for me feels very patriarchal and paternalistic, but I am definitely a very spiritual person. And I believe everyone, of course, has the right to practice and believe in whatever they want to believe. But as a spiritual person, I would repeatedly have these conversations over the years. And I recognize that when a theme comes up in your life over and over and over again, the universe is actually trying to tell you something. The universe is asking that you look more closely at something. And so I spent a lot of time going, what, what am I supposed to do with this? Because it's coming up a lot. And then last year in 2021, I reconnected with a former work colleague of mine called Aaron Cash. Now, many, many, many years ago, I worked with the Queensland Police in their communications team, and Aaron was a sworn officer. And that's how we connected around some fundraising things that were happening. And then, you know, I left the police service, went on to other things, and you drift apart as you do. Anyway, last year, Erin and I reconnected. And these days, she does, um, she's not in the police service anymore, but she does a lot of different things in the community, including doing personal protection for teenage girls in high schools and teaching them how to look after themselves. And so we had this conversation and I was listening to her talk about her work, and I was reflecting that way back in my late teens, and I actually had forgotten about this until I started talking to Erin, but I remember when I was in my late teens, a friend had come to me and said that she had been raped. And you have to understand that I was very naive. I, I didn't have a lot of life experience, and I guess no one had ever talked to me about the types of things that could happen. And when she came to me, I did my best to try and support her in the best way I knew I could. But when I reflect on that now, as many, many years later, I often think, well, were there other things that I should have been doing? Did I do that right? And so I, I had the conversation with Erin and I said, you know, what should I have done in that situation? Because she's done a lot of investigating of sexual assault cases and child abuse cases over her police career. And Erin sent me this great document that talked about the steps that someone could follow because if you were a victim or trying to help someone who was a victim of a sexual assault, because the thing is that the majority of people who are sexually assaulted, the majority of those are women or girls. The majority of people will not immediately report that assault and they will instead go home, get in the shower and try to feel clean again. That is a very common trauma response. It is the reality that we're dealing with. And I guess that's something else that I'm really keen on with this Medusa's Mike podcast is to deal with the reality of what we're facing rather than, you know, pie in the sky, things that say, well, you know, if someone's assaulted, they should go straight to police. Well, you know, in a perfect utopian world, yes, they would go straight to police, but that's not the world we're currently living in. So let's deal with the reality. And the reality is, as Erin and I talked through, is that most people will not immediately report. They go home, they get somewhere safe, they get in the shower and they wash themselves until they feel somewhat clean again. And so Erin sent me this document about how potentially people could collect the evidence and all that kind of thing. And because my background is in communications and media and marketing and all that sort of stuff, I looked at that and went, what can we do here? How can we simplify this? And so Erin and I worked on this together and we came up with this thing called the Sexual Assault Response Guide. And you can find that on the ssvcolab.com website. It's a one pager. And the whole point is that you can save it to your phone. So if the worst case scenario happens, if you are sexually assaulted or a friend of yours or you know someone you care about is, and you do not want to immediately report for whatever reason then there are some really simple steps to follow there that would help you to collect the evidence, make sure that you got some support and those kinds of things. So Erin and I came up with this one pager. And if you haven't already got it, please go and get it off the SSV CoLab website or you can find it on the SSV CoLab Facebook page and Instagram page. And when we did this activity that was at the point that I decided, okay, well, I'm really feeling called to work more in this space. So I established the Stop Sexual Violence Collaboration. And the first collaboration was the Sexual Assault Response Guide that I did with Erin. And so we released that mid last year. And then as time went on after that, I was like, oh, I'm still feeling really cool to do more in this space and having more conversations, and me saying to the universe, What do you want from me? Like, what? I'm still, I don't know what to do. And then what came up for me is quite a few years ago, I had the realization that I wanted to do a podcast, but I didn't know what the subject matter was, and different ideas would come up at different times. But I'm like, no, no, no. Anyway, fast forward. And I was reflecting, I think it was probably late last year, so late 2021, I was reflecting on, you know, what am I, what's the next step for this? And I remember seeing a former work colleague of mine post on Facebook that she was going to a vigil for a woman, I think she was on the Gold Coast, who had just been murdered by her former partner. And this former work colleague of mine put this post up and she said she was going to the vigil, but part of her felt like it wouldn't change anything because these murders keep happening. And I could tell, like, she just felt completely powerless because in Australia, we're losing at least one woman a week through domestic violence. And... When I read her comment, I just, I really felt it in my heart because I felt it too. And all the conversations I have with other women, because we're all feeling that. We're all like, this is not changing. This is like 20 years ago. It's the same story, you know, young women are dealing with the same BS that we've had to deal with and nothing has changed. And I felt really heartbroken and I guess that was at the point I thought, well, you know what, what are my skills? I have worked in communications and all that stuff for a long time. I am really passionate about this subject matter. I'm really passionate about empowering women in particular to trust themselves and to live in alignment with what their goals are. I'm really passionate about equality and helping to make sure that people are safe and that people feel empowered. And I guess you could say from all of those thoughts, the idea of Medusa's mic started to really bubble to the surface. And if you've listened to the intro of this podcast, you know the story of Medusa and that story, that myth of her is thousands of years old, but it's still incredibly relevant today. And that is a travesty. And basically I've had a gutful. So I thought, well, okay, I can talk to people who have knowledge and information to share and I can then share it on a podcast. Let's do that. And as part of that too, I thought, okay, well, I know that there is a lot of interest about this subject matter on LinkedIn. I've noticed that. So I will do a follow-up article after every episode and I'll put that on LinkedIn. And then I just started to reach out to people and talk to them about what I was doing. And it grew from there. And that's how the Medusa's Mike podcast has come into being right now. And by the time you listen to this, this is episode 11 of season one. And I feel really honored that people are listening I feel really honoured that I have already had the opportunity to talk to some incredible experts in their field and also to victim survivors who have, been, have felt comfortable enough to share their story on the podcast with me to try and empower you because I just feel it's really important. And I can see myself doing this podcast for a very long time because even though sometimes the subject matter is quite challenging and can be quite triggering. I also 150% believe in the value of what my guests have to share. And I know that I'm learning a lot through every conversation I have with them. And from that, I can only assume that people who are listening are also learning a lot. And I think that's really important. So that's the Medusa's mic podcast story that's how I've got to this point right now if you are finding that you are getting value from the podcast I'd be really grateful if you left a review shared it on your socials you know all those things I think that would be really helpful because obviously I'd like to get the information in this podcast out to as many people as possible let's go global why not (laughs) let's do it Let's share what we know. And I guess that's the other thing too is if you know somebody who you believe is doing some great work in this space, please drop me a line and let me know. I would love to talk to them. I'm interested, of course, in talking to experts in sexual violence prevention and response and victim survivors. But on top of that, I'm also really interested in talking to people who are doing things at a grassroots level and taking action. In their communities to create change in this space because I think individuals create change individuals start movements and they grow and if you're doing something that is creating positive change then I want to hear about it and also on the flip side of that I really believe that human beings learn from their failures more than their successes so if you have attempted something and it hasn't worked but you've had some learning come from that, I also want to hear from you because if you've tried to do something in particular and then there's two parts of it have worked and the other three haven't, then let's talk about that and share that knowledge because someone else on the other side of the planet might be thinking, oh, they might try X, Y, and Z, and then they might hear that you've already done it and then they can do the things that have worked and leave the other stuff behind rather than repeating the errors or the things that aren't quite as effective. So, please keep that in mind. I'd I'd love to talk to you. I really, really would. I hope that has provided you with a little bit more insight about who I am, why I'm doing the podcast, and what I hope to achieve from it. If you have particular questions that you would love me to explore as topics on the podcast, drop me a line, DM me on Insta or Facebook, or send me an email. I'd really genuinely love to hear from you. For me, this podcast is very much about creating a community of change and empowering all of us to create change because I believe we can do it. And I, for one, am not prepared to sit on the sidelines and point fingers at other people and say, well, it's their responsibility to do X, Y, and Z. No, it's all of our responsibility. We are all part of the ecosystem that has created the world we live in, and we are all responsible for creating the change that we know needs to happen. So that's probably enough for today. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode. And like I said, please reach out if you have something to share, or if you think of someone to be really great for me to interview and, and you know that person, refer them on to me. I'd love to chat. And wherever you are, I hope you are feeling more empowered every day to take action in your street, your city, your town, your country, to stop sexual violence and to create the world that we all want to see, which is one that is safe and secure for people of every single gender. Take care. I'll talk to you all again soon. Thanks so much for your company today. If you feel more informed or empowered after listening to this podcast, please leave us a review or share this episode with a friend or family member. Medusa's Mic is brought to you by the Stop Sexual Violence Collaboration, an enterprise to bring people together to discuss and facilitate sexual violence prevention and response initiatives. The music for today's podcast is brought to you by Dima Tishko from TuneTank. The opinions and perspectives offered on Medusa's mic are solely those of the interviewer and the interviewees. They are our expressed personal opinions and views. They are not intended or meant to replace any treatment or advice you may be receiving from a licensed professional. If you have specific concerns or a situation in which you require professional, psychological, medical or legal help, you should consult with an appropriately trained and qualified specialist. This episode is copyrighted and should not be reproduced without express permission from SSV Colab and Lucretia Ackfield.